0: Hi folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to talk about last night's Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeated the Los Angeles Lakers by eight points. Final score 114 to 106. Really, really impressive game from Denver. Really, really impressive performance pretty much all around in in what I would call a tough circumstance, for sure, where, hey, the Nuggets are going into L.A. on Mamba Night, on the the night honoring Kobe Bryant, and they find a way to come out with a win. Uh, What's up, Cedric? Thanks for hanging out here today, dude. Uh, Really, really appreciate the time, as always. Uh, We will absolutely talk about Michael Porter's 3. We will talk about jamal murray's threes and just the way that he's played um yeah i could definitely use a haircut that that i think is going to happen especially before i get to uh, go on vacation that is absolutely happening but i i was noticing it today too so that's gonna come down the pipeline here relatively shortly um uh, but yeah just having a grand old time uh obviously You don't necessarily focus on the haircuts and and the things like that when the deadline time comes around. And I've been working, obviously, very, very hard, uh, both on the Nuggets side of things and on the alley-oop. If you guys could go like and subscribe to videos over there, that would be awesome as well. Um, But either way, uh, Denver has a great, great performance, and it's very exciting to see what they've done and to see just how they respond in a situation of adversity. Not that we don't know how they would anyway. Uh, just because we've, we've seen what this happens. We've seen, we've seen what this looks like, I think, with this Nuggets team. Um, and it's impressive. It's good to see what Denver can do when the going gets tough. And like even in a tough situation, they just find ways to get it done. Um, we'll talk about the game. We will talk about uh, the the ceremony that the Lakers had and and everything that happened. We will talk about the trade deadline, and there were no major roster moves for Denver. They did make one small trade. We'll get to that in just a bit, but got plenty to talk about on this particular episode. So make sure to go like and subscribe to the channel if you can. All right, but let's start with the game. Uh, This was an intense game from the get go just because, hey, uh, 2-8-24, 2 8 uh, this was one of the nights that the Lakers have used to honor the late Kobe Bryant, who uh, obviously meant a lot to the Lakers franchise, meant, meant a lot to people in Los Angeles, and he's meant a lot to a lot of people around the NBA. And so they have gone out of their way. to cre- They created a statue. This is Mamba Night for them, February 8th, and especially on uh, 2024, uh, both of his jersey numbers, 8 and 24, they decided they were going to unveil one of the statues that they put out there for uh, what he's what he's accomplished, what he's done. And the arena was clearly charged. It was clearly very intense. Uh, the Lakers fans were clearly looking for reasons to get going and support their guy. You saw Adam Sandler there the entire time just sitting courtside. And it was a very interesting environment from the get-go, and clearly the Nuggets were going to have their work cut out for them. They didn't have Contavius Caldwell-Pope, who's one of their, obviously, premier defenders and one of the keys to the starting five just being intact. Justin Holiday starts in his place, fouls out in 22 minutes, and the last foul that he had was a minute into his final stint in the fourth quarter. Not a great Justin Holiday game, Denver has to figure that out, and then they... They've got to be better in those minutes, for sure. Um, but the Lakers were dealing with their injuries as well. D'Angelo Russell was out. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt's out. They have some other guys. Max Christie went out during the game. And, I mean, they're, they're clearly overwhelmed from an injury standpoint as well. But that's no excuse when you've got LeBron, you've got A.D., you've got Austin Reeves, you've got uh Tarion Prince coming off the bench and hitting all the shots. Like, they had the capacity to win that game last night and there's no doubt that they probably should have won that game last night given the circumstances but clearly the nuggets had other ideas they were very very engaged from the get-go denver uh they kind of got caught up a little bit in some uh, bad transition stuff and some odd decisions at the beginning of the game but for the most part the nuggets were locked in they're making great decisions they were playing great defense and it was on the Lakers to have to catch up the entire time. And Denver did a fantastic job of putting themselves into that position. And ultimately, the Lakers did catch up. They figured out how to uh, sort of attack Denver's defense in, in different ways. They used LeBron James as a screener. They did some good things on the defensive end against Nikola Jokic, who didn't have his best game, despite the fact that he had a Sombor triple-double, a Sombor double, 24-13-9. and but it was really about Jokic, Murray, and Porter going up against LeBron, AD, and Austin Reeves. Other guys kind of faded into the background, though Aaron Gordon did have some timely moments. I don't want to dismiss that at all. Uh, Reggie Jackson started the game really well, but then finished it pretty poorly. Uh, Christian Brown only played 13 minutes. I thought he would close this game. As it turns out, it was Peyton Watson who was going to close the game, and he guarded LeBron for various stretches. Um But it really was about Denver's top three scorers and what they would be able to do in the face of adversity when you have to soak up all those shot attempts. And Michael Porter from the get-go was very, very good. He was dominant in his minutes. And he only was a plus six on the plus minus, and that kind of undersells how I think he impacted the game on both ends of the floor, which was tremendously 27 points on 11 of 20 from the field in 38 minutes. He played 20 minutes in the first half, 18 in the second. And was a guy that was just basically indispensable for Denver tonight. Where they needed his spacing. They needed his scoring and his extra shooting punch. And whether it was kind of complimenting what Jokic was doing or complimenting what Murray was doing, Porter was tremendous uh, last night and did some really, really impressive things as both an offensive and defensive player, there were possessions where he had to guard Anthony Davis, he had to guard LeBron James, and neither of those guys really had that much success. Uh, one time, LeBron tried to isolate on him and realized, oh crap, it's getting late in the shot clock, I've got to fade away. And he takes a 17 foot fade away two while shooting over the top of the 6 foot 10 Michael Porter. And like, Teams just aren't attacking Porter in the same way. And and especially for this team, for whatever reason, the Lakers just do not have a defensive advantage when they attack MPJ. Like, I don't understand it. They should. Austin Reeves doesn't do a great job against them. uh, And neither does LeBron or AD, which is very, very interesting. Uh, But you have Jokic, who kind of struggled throughout this one, and and it certainly wasn't his best game. I'm going to call this the Mendoza line for uh, Nikola Jokic when going up against the Lakers. My hypothesis is that all he has to do is outplay Anthony Davis, and the Nuggets are pretty much guaranteed to win. All he's got to do. And Anthony Davis gave him a run for his money. 38 minutes for AD, 14 of 27 from the field. But he only took six free throw attempts, and Denver did a really, really nice job of defending without fouling. And that was a, a really, really... Like, it was a nice defensive performance from Jokic, who actually blocked AD multiple times at the rim. One of the times was kind of a sunning at the rim, which was very, very impressive. Just basically, like, blocked him right over the top. And uh, it was a very, very nice moment for him. Um, but it was still, disru- like, Jokic was still disrupted. It wasn't a perfect night. It wasn't one of those games where Jokic was just, like, he He had some awesome plays, don't get me wrong. but. This was one where he was kind of bothered at times by the defense. And for whatever reason, uh, he was letting the shot clock kind of go all the way down multiple times. And whether it was five seconds, four seconds, he would then start his move. He would kind of survey the defense, trying to wait until the right time to attack. And the right time to attack just never came a lot of the time. And he got blocked by Torian Prince at the end of the third quarter. Uh, He got blocked on one of his signature moves where he kind of just spins baseline and tries to shoot the floater up onto the glass and, and AD blocked him from behind Uh, the Lakers were doing a great job against him. And actually Jokic was kind of selling in the first quarter too. like not necessarily his, his best performance, but he still finds ways to be impactful. And I still think that even with like 32 points on 27 shots for AD, AD had three steals and four blocks I still don't know if he outplayed Jokic, who had 24 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists, three blocks himself, and was a plus 10. Uh, Did have six turnovers, so it's flirting right with that line in terms of the actual impact on the game. But I think that I'd probably give AD the the win on this one, but not necessarily by a lot. And so you've got Porter, who made some clutch threes in this game, especially down the stretch. Had two clutch threes from the left side of the floor and did a really, really nice job of just kind of spacing for the Jokic-Murray actions. And then you have what Jokic was doing, which created some open shots for guys. He did some good things on the defensive end, grabbed a bunch of rebounds. All that was great. Denver won the rebounding battle 50 to 39. But it was Murray who probably made the biggest difference. And Murray was dynamic in this one. 36 minutes for him, 29 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds, had 2 steals, did have 3 turnovers, but like 11 to 3 is a pretty good ratio, and did have 25 shots, I don't want to dismiss that, but he took 0 free throw attempts, so he nearly shot 50% from the field when it was all said and done, and then shot 5 of 9 from 3, plus 17 for Jamal Murray, and like this was the easiest lock of the night, I would say. In terms of yeah, you are absolutely going to get the best version of Jamal Murray on a night like tonight, where he has ties to Kobe. Uh, Kobe has spent a lot of time with him, uh, did spend a lot of time with him, uh, working on post defense and things like that. That was one of the stories that came out that Murray, like he was getting bullied in the 2019 playoffs from a post defensive st- defensive standpoint, and knew that he needed to get better. So one of the guys that he went to go see was Kobe Bryant, and Kobe helped him learn. He helped him compete, and Murray has become one of the better post-defensive guards in the NBA at this point, so it's been pretty impressive to see the growth there, but more than anything, like, really, really nice to see from Murray's perspective, like, this was a complete game for him. This was one where it wasn't just, hey, he had 14 points and 7 assists at halftime, and then he had 21 and 8. No, he had 29 points and 11 assists and was very, very impactful throughout the game and never let up. He was always putting the pressure down and he soaked up a lot of shot attempts. There's no doubt about that. And and maybe could have balanced it out a little bit more. But ultimately, 11 assists is 11 assists. And I thought that he did a great job of kind of shouldering the playmaking burden for Denver at a lot of times, especially when Jokic was off the floor where, yeah, it's probably not going to be a bunch of Reggie Jackson. It's probably not going to be a bunch of Christian Brown. Probably not going to be a bunch of Peyton Watson. This was a really nice preview of what Denver's going to do in the playoffs, where, yeah, Murray's just going to play at a different level. He's just going to soak up more shot opportunities and more playmaking opportunities. And between him and Jokic and Porter, this could be what the box score looks like a lot of the time, or at least very close to it, where Porter has 27 on 20 shots. Jokic has 24 on 20 shots. Murray has 29 on 25 shots. Denver did a great job. They found ways to connect together. And it's very, very clear that like this is just a different level. And it's not something that the Lakers can compete with at this point. This is just different levels to what they can get to. And would D'Angelo Russell have helped them? Sure. If he's on the floor, would Denver attack him even more and probably score more points? Absolutely. So I'm not going to sit here and say that the Lakers definitely would have won in any other circumstance. Maybe having their full assortment of guys would have made a difference on a night like tonight, but it was still very clear from the get-go that Denver was the better team and they find ways to win on a consistent basis. So nice to see Denver rise to the moment. Uh, So many fun and interesting plays from last night's game. And they seem to be in a pretty good spot. They're, they're in a really, really good place here. So when we come back, am going to talk about a couple more of these fun plays and just what this night means uh, for Denver and just where they kind of stand within the West and all that fun stuff. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook who are changing the game and they're the most trusted sports gambling site with a direct line to Las Vegas, and now you can use the promo code MILEHIGH to score up to 250 bucks with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code MILEHIGH. All you got to do is download the Superbook Sports app, enter that promo code, and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, uh, seeing some good growth on the alley-oop, which is cool. Just put up a podcast over there for the winners and losers around the NBA uh, with my Boston Celtics guy, Dan Greenberg. So make sure to go check that out. Some good national NBA coverage from a, a different perspective, I would say. So make sure to go check that out. All right, some other things that happened uh some of the plays that you, that you see from these guys are absurd. Just marking down a couple of them. The 3 that Jamal hit over LeBron James at the end or at the beginning of the 4th quarter <laughs> where he shot it from about 32 feet and rather than challenge LeBron rather than try to get downhill against him late in the shot clock who I mean LeBron is one of the best defenders in late shot clock situations in the NBA, because he is such a, like, he's such a smart player and understands the clock and understands your kind of goal within a shot clock situation. So he's always going to provide a really great contest and maybe not even allow you to get a shot off. So rather than deal with all that, Murray just collects the ball and shoots it from 30 plus feet, drains it. And that really set the tone, I think for the beginning of the fourth quarter where Denver won that by 31 to 27, but It was a close contest. It was a close, close thing throughout. And if he had not made that shot, then maybe the Lakers end up winning this game because they, they develop a little bit of momentum. But I can tell you that having been in that building for the playoffs last year, whenever Murray made a heroic shot like that, the gravity just got pulled out of the building. It was completely dead every time he'd do something crazy. And same thing with Jokic's shots, too. I don't want to dispel from that. But it's just so clear that Denver's got these guys that will rise up in these moments and make the heroic shots in these situations. It's just always going to happen. And they have the capacity for it. They have the the mental wherewithal to do it. And not everybody does. And this is just going to be one of those things, I think, where people are going to try to explain why Denver was so good on some nights and so average or meh on some other nights, but this is kind of the the example. They just rise to the occasion and this was an occasion for them being special. Another one, uh, Michael Porter's lob to Aaron Gordon in the first quarter, like underhanded scoop lob that Aaron Gordon throws down and just like, it was, that was an incredible play. And Porter doesn't get enough credit for being a passer, probably because he doesn't pass as often in passing like playmaking situations as he probably should. But he had two assists last night and one of them was awesome, like got the building uh, silent or or they were like, ooh, kind of kind of from that because of how athletic Aaron Gordon was. But that was right over LeBron, too. So hey, credit credit to uh, Porter for not screwing up in that moment. Like that's a that's a tough pass to make. Uh Jamal Murray also made another pass to Aaron Gordon for a lob in uh the I think it was the second quarter, but it might have been the late first. Uh just on the fast break, kind of a slower fast break, but Denver had the numbers and Aaron Gordon just sneaks behind the defense and throws it down with his head at the rim. Uh just Aaron Gordon looks very, very athletic right now. Uh sharing the numbers, he was he led the team at plus eighteen. Only played thirty-two minutes, which I thought was a great decision. By Michael Malone. That was great. Um, 11 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. This was a game where, yeah, they absolutely could have gone to AG at the 5. Absolutely could have done that, and it would have been fine. DeAndre Jordan actually gave Denver some pretty decent minutes off the bench. And I was pretty impressed with the rebounding from him. He had eight rebounds in 11 minutes, including four offensive rebounds, had a lot of tip rebounds out to the perimeter and just does a great job of keeping possessions alive. Denver was net neutral in his minutes. That was a pretty good sign. And we're starting to see a a little bit of a development here where Denver, not always perfect. So Denver's kind of gone through different iterations of which lineups are working well at which times. Tonight, Jokic was a plus 10, Murray was a plus 17, but Reggie Jackson was minus 10, Christian Brown minus 9, Peyton Watson minus 3. And I think you see that in the minutes where Jokic was out there with the bench by himself, and whether it was uh, Justin Holiday or Michael Porter. Actually, it was Michael Porter. So the lineup was. Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, uh, Peyton Watson, Nikola Jokic. And that lineup should be good. There's no reason why it shouldn't be. For whatever reason, it wasn't getting the um, the stops or the shots that it's supposed to. And it's one of those things where Jokic wasn't as good uh, in, in this particular game. But I, I do think that last night really showed... I think some weaknesses for Denver, especially if a guy like KCP is going to be out. Because what the hell was Denver going to do with their closing lineup with Justin Holiday fouling out too? Like, Justin Holiday is your great spot starter. He's a great guy who can step in and, and fill the gaps. He was plus 11 in the 22 minutes he played. But he barely racked up any numbers, wasn't really involved in the offense, wasn't really involved in what Denver was doing. And he collected six fouls in 22 minutes. And I I didn't know what Denver was going to do from a closing perspective. Reggie Jackson was probably the main candidate, but he started playing so badly in that second half and in that fourth quarter especially that it was a problem. Like he collected one defensive rebound when he was on like all of the other big guys, and like Jackson Hayes collected offensive rebounds over the top of Reggie Jackson like like they were water. And it was one of those things where Denver just clearly needed more size. They needed more size out there, and they needed at least a wing. And it wasn't Christian Brown. Christian Brown only played 13 minutes. It wasn't really – like he had three shots, went one of one from three. It was a great three. It was right in front of the Nuggets. It was a good play from him. And he also had a block, and I, I thought he had some good moments. But clearly, Michael Malone saw something a little bit differently and went with Peyton Watson to close instead. And Denver basically closed with a jumbo-sized lineup. And I think what could be a preview of what their other lineups are. Where you've got Murray, you've got Peyton Watson basically at the two. Although I always put Michael Porter at the two when Peyton Watson's out there. Because I I just think of Michael Porter playing up a position on the offensive end. Um, You've got Murray, Watson, Porter, Gordon, Jokic. And there are a lot of people, including my guy Swipa who think that that could be a preview of Denver's Denver's starting lineup going forward. KCP's got a player option next year. I think that Denver's obviously going to try to retain him, but there is a strong possibility that he gets a great offer from some other team and Denver just can't afford to bring him back. And if that's the case, then the Nuggets are in trouble because they're going to have to figure out how they play when it's not a traditional three and D guy out there. Now they could just like bring back somebody like a Justin holiday, but KCP is going to command a lot of money and it would not surprise me if he got over 20 million a year. And if that's the case, Denver's going to have to, they're, they're going to get squeezed. The second apron is going to be like, they're going to blow right past it with just where they are, and it's going to re- restrict a lot of what they can do. So they've got to be very smart about how they retain it. But okay, that's a conversation for another day. Um, either way, Peyton Watson was fine. He was okay. I'm not going to sit here and say he was fantastic because he wasn't. Uh, five points, two of six from the field, one of three from three, four rebounds two assists. did have some good defensive possessions against LeBron and AD, wasn't necessarily super impactful but he could switch onto a lot of other guys and be impactful in those minutes. So it's at least something that Denver can go to from a defensive perspective and say, yeah, this is going to be a good defensive lineup for our team. And Denver they they always shut it down in the in the clutch moments. It's very difficult for a team like the Lakers to keep pace with a team like the Nuggets when they have size and athleticism and smarts in that regard. But you're also replacing KCP, who's one of Denver's best clutch defenders, who's one of their their main on-ball defenders. Now, you get Peyton Watson out there, and that's a really, really nice option for sure. But it's going to be one of those things where Denver's got to figure that out. And then if a guy like KCP is not going to be out there, then maybe Peyton Watson's their answer in the closing unit. And it's not Christian Brown like I thought it would be. Maybe it's not Reggie Jackson. Maybe it's Denver just going defense and trusting that Jokic, Murray, and Porter can, da- can get it done. And clearly they did. Clearly that wasn't something that was really a problem. But I am just monitoring it for obvious reasons because I am of the opinion, and we'll we'll get to this more in the third segment when I talk about trade deadline stuff, I'm of the opinion that Denver's margin for error is smaller because of what Denver did at the trade deadline or didn't do. And you see it on nights like tonight where, yeah, KCP's out, Justin Holliday's, uh sidelined with six fouls, Reggie Jackson has a bad night, Christian Brown only plays 13 minutes, and you're like, uh, who do we go to at this point? It better be Peyton Watson in that case because uh, there is a lot to at least consider from um, that perspective and the options that Denver can have. So I'm curious. I don't know what it's going to look like, but... It was nice to see Peyton step up. He had a dunk in the half court as Jokic created something from the top of the, from the elbow, basically from the, the free throw line. And then he had a run out on the next possession where Murray fires the ball up the court to him and, and gets him out there. Should have been a dunk. Peyton kind of cocks it behind his head instead of just trying to get it up on the rim. And Jackson Hayes makes a great play to block the shot. Uh, Just coming from out of nowhere, and Denver then gives up a transition three on the other end because they weren't matched up properly. And that's just, that just can't happen. Like, Peyton's got to understand what that situation looks like. He's got to know that somebody's behind him. And I'm sure he was amped last night playing in LA, playing on Kobe night. Uh, It's one of the reasons why he wears eight. So I can imagine that he is probably. Like he was probably a little bit amped and and certainly could be a little bit more calm in other situations. But hey, good on him for getting the experience. Denver needs him to have as much experience as possible. And then I forgot to mention the backbreaker of the game for the Lakers where final like main play of the sequence. So Murray hits a three curling around a a couple of screens from, I believe it was Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic gets the handoff, shoots the ball over Torian Prince. Nuggets go from tied to up three with about two minutes left. Then Denver gets a stop on the other end. Murray sees that Denver's got numbers. He pushes the pace in transition. Denver's got like a three on two and a half kind of fast break. And nobody ever stops the ball for the Lakers. So Murray kind of gets to a spot about 10 feet away from the basket and then pulls up for a nice little floater that he makes and Denver's up 5 with about a minute and a half left to go. Really really great possession from him and really great possession from Denver to kind of get out on the fast break and take advantage because it's not always you're not always going to get an easy kind of transition opportunity like that in a clutch situation. So being able to handle that is important. Now there is some risk and reward to that because Oh my gosh, if you miss it, and then you're only up three at that point, and then they get the, the defensive rebound, and then they've got numbers going back to the other end. So that's one of those things where Murray's got to be able to make it, and he did. Denver gets another stop, and then they come back down on the other end. Jokic gets the ball on the left elbow, and you could see Austin Reeves just itching to try to get the steal. Teams have gotten that steal on Jokic while his back is turned. They've gotten it before. Denver hasn't always done a great job of protecting Jokic in those situations where he is where he, where he has a back to a defender. And Austin Reeves goes for it. Austin Reeves tries to get the ball. Austin Reeves thinks that he's got the ball and then Jokic at the very very last second uses telepathy or whatever to sense that Austin Reeves is going to go for that steal, moves the ball away from his hand just as it is getting there, and fires the ball, fires a pass to a wide-open Michael Porter, who hits the clutch three. This was an incredible play. And seeing the different replays and seeing the slow-mos of exactly when Jokic started to move the ball away from an encroaching Austin Reeves, was really really incredible and it's one of those ones where you can't really explain it you can't really say oh yeah Jokic definitely knew he was there because I don't think he did I think that he sensed that he might be there and then he moved the ball and like it was clear that then he was there and Jokic rightly threw the pass to the open vacated space and Porter was wide open Hits a clutch, clutch three, and Denver goes up eight for the rest of the game. And boy, was that, like, that was one of those ones that you're going to remember for a while. Because, like, Jokic just does these crazy things, and they look so simple at times, but they are crazy. And that was a crazy play. So the fact that all three of those guys, Jokic, Murray, and Porter, got in on the action to close this game and really impacted it, was a big deal. I think it was a really really big deal and it's nice to see Denver make it happen. So, good stuff from the Nuggets, good stuff on Mamba night. Tough scene for the Lakers as they uh probably should have scheduled this game against Detroit or Houston or some other team that they could definitely beat in their building, San Antonio, uh Dallas, uh, but although Dallas would have probably given them buckets too. Yeah, just a Really tough scene for the Lakers who, like, this should have been all about Kobe. It should have all been about celebrating a former player. And that just uh, didn't come to pass. So, look, Nuggets fans and and the Nuggets are going to be taking that one to uh, very fun places. They are very excited about this one. That was a great, great win. Denver's now 36-16. and When we come back, I'm going to chat about the trade deadline and just Final thoughts there. And then we'll preview tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings. We'll be right back. But first, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Scott DeHuff. All right, we're back. Final segment. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, Really appreciate all the love and support as always. Thank you so much for being a part of things today. Let's wrap up with a nice uh, discussion about the trade deadline and just kind of what Denver Denver was going through and, and different things that were happening. So Denver didn't really seriously try to do anything. That was, I think, the thing that was probably the biggest disconnect for me and what they were actually planning on doing. I think the Nuggets just think that they have enough. They think that they know who they are. And even if they're unsure about some of the bench issues that could potentially sort of pop up here, I think that they felt pretty comfortable knowing that even if they lose, even if they're not like perfect, even if they don't get a championship or anything like that, they are still developing guys like Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, maybe even Julian Strother in a big, big way to the point where they are going to be super helpful down the line. And one of the things I was talking about in this last segment was the second apron for the luxury tax that is coming through, like the super tax, is really tough for Denver. That is going to be a really, really stressful one, not just from like a financial standpoint or anything. But from a team-building standpoint, where Denver's got so many different restrictions, if they make some moves right now to kind of bring in some bigger contract names, to bring in some guys that maybe they resign at a larger number in free agency, things like that, Denver's going to be up a creek if they continue to make themselves more expensive. Because if things don't end up working, if things don't end up like the plan isn't perfect with those things, Denver just won't be able to get out from under it. That The trades that they'll be able to make, the moves that they'll be able to make are going to be really, really tough. And so many situations that they face, like at this trade deadline, are going to pop up over and over and over again. And I think they're trying to avoid that. I think they want to keep and maintain their players uh, from a, a rookie contract standpoint, making sure. So they've got five guys on rookie contracts right now. Uh, You've got Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, Julian Strother, Hunter Tyson, and Jalen Pickett. So five guys there. Two of those guys are going to play in the playoffs. Three of them are not. um, And the three rookies. But that doesn't mean that they can't in the future. Reggie Jackson's got a player option next year. So Denver, if they like what they've seen from him, and maybe he likes what he's seen, he'll probably pick up the number. Or he'll decline it, and then they could give him a small raise of some sort. Uh, But Denver's basically, like what they have going forward is the ability to retain their own guys and not really much else. Like Denver's got a first round pick that they can use in 2024, uh, next year. They've got a couple draft picks here or there, but really it's going to be about retaining this current group as best as they can. So they want guys to have contracts especially those rookie contracts that are pretty cheap for the next two to three years. And if that's the case, then that will give their starters the opportunity to be expensive for the next two to three years. This will eventually kind of shift over and they'll eventually try to do some different things. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if eventually the starting lineup gets broken up because it just becomes too expensive. And like, maybe there's a little bit of a drop off here and they need to make a change. But for now, as Denver starters are as good as they are, and as Jokic and Murray are as good as they are together, like, there's no reason to really rock the boat too much. Now, what I would have done if I were Denver, what I would have tried to do, is find another kind of versatile forward, somebody that could play the five in a pinch, somebody that can do kind of what Aaron Gordon's role is, is for the bench right now, where he can be the backup center, he can also be a backup four, and Denver doesn't really have another guy, especially if, let's say, Peyton Watson. Let's say they're going to move him to the two in the future. Let's say they're going to like have him close in those situations. Man, well, he was playing the three. He was playing the four. Now you've vacated those minutes. And if Christian Brown is going to struggle a little bit or if Reggie Jackson's going to struggle a little bit, then your rotation all of a sudden just becomes really thin. So I think it was fair to try to see if they could get another guy. like. Justin Holliday can replace somebody on the wing. There's no doubt about that. What if you need somebody to replace at the forward or the front court? Something like that. That was my thinking. It's very possible that the name just did not present itself. And that the player, the value, the actual level of price that the Nuggets were willing to pay, maybe that did not present itself. And that's fine. I understand that. I also understand... Like one of the ways that Denver could have gone about that is trading a guy like Julian Strother, who is valuable for Denver, but maybe not at the moment. Denver has the foresight, Calvin Booth certainly has the foresight to hold on to him and not sell him for, hypothetically speaking, Andre Drummond. Somebody who could really help them in a regular season context, but maybe isn't the right person for them in a playoff context, whereas Julian Strother might be in the future. So, I think that that all kind of weighed on what Calvin Booth was doing, what the Nuggets were going to do. I think Michael Malone has signed off on that plan. Like, he's very open to developing those guys while the starting lineup remains intact. Now, if the starting lineup ever got broken up, then Denver's probably going to go back to, like, hey, we got to trust the veterans. We got to trust guys that we believe in. And maybe that would sort of change the perspective there. But for now, I think Michael Malone is very comfortable developing Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Julian Strother, and we will see that after the All-Star break as well. I think Denver goes back to a 10-man rotation after the All-Star break, and they decide, hey, we are not going to stagger Jamal Murray, at least for the first like 10 games or so. And they're going to try to get Julian Strother some playing time in a full bench lineup or something close to it, where Reggie Jackson's out there. Then you've got Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Julian Strother. And then you've got a backup center, most likely DeAndre Jordan. So that would be my guess of how Denver runs it. But uh, they actually did make one minor move that I guess I should mention. Ismail Kamigate, uh, the former 2022 46th overall pick. He was traded or his draft rights were traded to the Los Angeles Clippers for cash. I don't know what that cash is going to be used for. Maybe Michael Malone can use it for fines in the playoffs when he has to complain about Nicole Jokic getting fouled. Uh, but if that's the case, then money well spent at that point, And I think Nuggets fans will be pretty happy about it. So I don't know what that money is going to be spent on. I don't even know how much money it was. It might have been like 25 bucks, And if that's the case, that's a, uh, a small price Uh, for Denver to kind of rid themselves of Kamigate, who just clearly wasn't in their plans. So we'll see what that ultimately becomes and if there is anything that it actually turns into. But I would be surprised if Kamigate ever comes over to the NBA. And we'll just kind of have to see how that plays out. But we will see. Um, Final thing here, Denver plays tonight against the Sacramento Kings. And uh, Sacramento's been playing okay. They, they are not perfect. They are not bad, by any stretch of the word. Over the course of the last 10 games or so, Sacramento, they've lost their last two, uh, but they had a day off. And they didn't make any major moves or anything like that. Actually, they acquired Robin Lopez and then are going to waive him. So that was the extent of their moves. Uh, nothing crazy from them, but uh, their last five games lost to Miami at Miami, uh, won at Indiana, one at Chicago, lost at Cleveland, and then they lost to Detroit uh, on Wednesday at home. So after a, a long road trip, it's not surprising. And I think Nuggets fans understand long road trips, the, the first game at home can be pretty weird, but they still lost to the Detroit Pistons. So they, like, they gave up over 130 points to Detroit. So Denver's got an opportunity here, if they want to, to really take advantage of that. They're going to play the Sacramento Kings twice in the next three games, or they play at Sacramento tonight. Then they go to Milwaukee on Monday, and then they come back on Wednesday and face the Kings uh, at home. So, look, Denver's going to play them a couple times. Might as well get at least one win over here. And then if Denver can make that happen, then they will be in a pretty good spot. But look, it's going to be a tough back-to-back. Denver obviously expended a bunch of energy last night. And it would not surprise me if the Kings trying to sort of make up for the fact that they lost to the freaking Detroit Pistons. Uh, They will probably be coming out guns blazing in this game. So I do not have high expectations. And Nuggets fans, I would not be surprised if they dropped one here and that is okay. Denver doesn't need to win every game on this road trip, but if they do lose this one, then they've got to win in Milwaukee. So can't go one and two on the road trip. You got to go at least two and one. So we will see what happens, but folks, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. Uh, really appreciate seeing Cedric, Ben Mack, Fernando, All these folks in here who are constant uh, members of the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. We'll talk to you guys very soon.